Hello and welcome to the VPAR podcast, brought to you by the world's number one golf app, providing golfers with live scoring technology, GPS yardages, stats, tracking and challenges, enabling you to compete against your mates and other golfers from all corners of the globe. The VPAR app is free to download and available on iOS and Android. Welcome everyone to the VPAR podcast, brought to you by the scoring app VPAR. We've had some uh, fantastic guests on the on the podcast. We've had Knights of the Realm. Uh, we've had Ryder Cup captains. We've had Rugby World Cup captains. Today, we've got a seven times world champion, Stephen Hendry. Welcome to the VPAR podcast. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Always start the podcast with the same question. Uh, when did you first pick up a golf club? Um, very first time, probably was about four or five. My, my granddad, um, who lived in Musselburgh, um, actually let me have a few clubs, a few uh, there in my Musselburgh golf course, which is obviously, is that not the most, the oldest I golf course? I think, is it the oldest in, isn't it yeah, one of one, the ones that claims to be the oldest? Yeah, it's inside the race course. Um, in terms of playing regularly, probably not till my sort of late teens, early 20s, when I was well into my snooker career, we used to always get the summer off. Um, there was no snooker um, at all in sort of May, June, July, August. So um, that's why you see most snooker players have, have golf as a hobby because they had nothing to do in the summer. So may as well, may as well play golf. I was about to ask you, uh, were, you were you able to play enough when you were in your prime playing playing a lot of snooker? I, I didn't play much during the season at all. Um, I had um, a pretty strict regime of 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 practice um, and obviously and living in Scotland the weather doesn't help as well to be playing all year all year round um, so that, that was that was a deterrent as well but yeah generally as, as you know if you have a game of golf it's sort of four or five hours out of your day and then if you're you're practicing your snooker four or five hours a day then it's it's a, it's a day loss so I, I wouldn't play much golf at all uh, during the season. And where you were brought up I mean golf is very much part of the fabric there isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I was um I was I was born born in Edinburgh. Um moved to um Fife as a teenager, but then when I started playing golf it was when, when I I moved to Octorarder with my with my um my ex-wife and 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 that's where I was I joined Glen Eagles and I was a member there for about 20 odd years. Um so that's when my, my sort of golf got got serious. Um but um yeah, weather-wise it's not it's not conducive to 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 playing a lot of golf even in the summer. You can't really plan for a game three or four days ahead because you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I was speaking to Keith Wood actually, uh, and he said he may, he might be in, in Ireland. You can't really play in winter either; it's just too wet. And nobody goes to Scotland or Ireland for the weather. <laughs> and let's talk about the sort of the crossovers from snooker to uh, um, to golf. I'm assuming you're a very good putter, but that's probably just uh, um, uh, a random thought. But do you think it helps on the putting? Uh, it should do. But unfortunately, it's, it's not crossed over um, to, to my putting. Um, putting is probably the, the weakest part of my game, unfortunately. But it should do because the principles of the, the putting stroke and the cue action are very similar. You know, it's about, you know, going through the ball smoothly and accelerating nicely through the ball, um, not decelerating, which is the biggest, you know, the worst thing you can do uh, in a snooker cue action and probably in a, in a putting stroke as well. So the principles should say that I should be an excellent putter, but I suppose if you, if you look at the, the basics and, you know, a snooker table's level where a green isn't um, and, you know, you've got to judge slopes and speeds where a snooker table is a general speed over the whole table. So it is, and, you, and you're obviously looking down on a part as opposed to looking along a queue. So there's there's principles at the same, but there's also 
principles that are, that are a mile out as well. And what about the mental side? I mean, I've interviewed a lot of professional sportsmen uh, who play golf as well. Uh, when you're playing, do you think you have an advantage? I mean, if you've got a six foot putt to win the match on the 18th with some mates, um, I imagine, do you get nervous? <laughs> I, I, I do. And it's, 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 it's weird. I mean, it's not obviously like you're not nervous about, you know, losing a fiver or a tear, whatever you're playing for. You're, you're, you're more nervous about the ribbon you're going to take should you miss. Um, whoever you're playing with um, is obviously going to slaughter you if you miss a, a pressure putt. With me, it's the three, four footers are just dreadful. I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a more chance of holding a 20 footer than a three footer. Which, really? Do you, do, you, do, you feel, do you feel as much pressure doing that as you would you've got, you got the black yeah. to win the World Championship? Yeah, and I tend to, it's a, obviously it's a different kind of pressure. Um, it's, it's, you know, the pressure in snooker is different. You, you, you kind of know what you're capable of in, in, in your own game, but in, in golf, you, you, you're, you're not really. So, um, and yeah, you, you, I find myself standing over it longer and longer, gripping the part tighter and tighter until obviously then, then, the, then the twitch happens. Um, and it's the same in snooker, actually. When, when, if you, you know, people talk about myself, including commentary, when players twitch, generally it's when they come through and grip the cue too tight on, on you know, when they come through the cue. And that's, I find myself doing that in, in a putter. So it's, um, yeah, pre- pressure tends you, tends to make you sort of clam up a bit. Stephen, uh, I can relate to what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, I mean, you, you mentioned the twitch there. I'm just doing the research for this. Um, I, I did read in your snooker career, career somewhere that you did suffer from the dreaded Y word. I'm almost too scared to mention it in the podcast. Did, did you get the yips in, in snooker? Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously a, it's a horrible word to describe. But, you know, a, 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 it tends to sort of it's very black and white, the, the word thing. It's, yeah, it, it's, but I did suffer from the fact of not being able to go through the cue ball properly. Um, and when it's, it's a straight thing, because when it happens... It was happening just the odd shot, and then you after the match, you say, "Well, that didn't feel that didn't feel nice." What happened there? And then, as you as I went through my career, it tends to happen in more and more shots until to the fact that I was avoiding playing the right shot because I didn't fancy playing it properly. So it's it's very much a mental thing, you know, ninety nine percent mental, I think, one percent physical in the respect that you can't make yourself do what you want to do. Um, but it's it's very debilitating um, and. Um, you know, whether I'm still, even when I play now, exhibitions or, or I'm, I'm, I've got a wild card to play in the main tour, I play some, there's still some shots that I sort of shy away from. Um, so, yeah, it's not it's not a nice thing in, in, in a sport like snooker where, where feel is, is so important. And, and you're t- totally entitled to not answer this question. Have you ever experienced it on the golf course? No, no, I haven't. Hey! <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just bad technique. It causes bad shots and golf rather than, rather than a, a mental thing. It's just pure bad technique. Okay. Well, let's talk a bit about your snooker career. First of all, are you retired or not? I was trying to work out or not. What what's your what is Stephen Hendry doing at the moment? I think semi-retired is pro. I don't I, I don't know the right title for what I am because I'm retired in the fact that I don't snooker isn't my job. I don't go in every day and practice four or five hours a day, which is what I used to do. Um but I'm not retired in the fact that I still play in the odd tournament. I played in one the other night, a qualifier for the European Masters, lost 5-0. Um, but basically because I hadn't hardly picked up my cue for like a couple of weeks. So, yeah, you, I am retired in that sense that it's not my job. It's not my, my, my career now. My career is obviously doing the commentary, the punditry stuff. Um, I was going to China 
before COVID, so every month um, as an ambassador for Chinese eight ball pool, actually, not snooker. Um, so, so actually playing competitive snooker is not my job. So in that respect, yeah, I'm retired. Uh, talk me through the motivation, uh, having won world, uh, this world championship seven times and rocking up to a qualifier and getting mm-hmm. hammered 5-0. What, what makes you do it? It's, um, I'm not sure. That's a good question. I'm not sure what's making me do it. But there, I mean, the reason I did accept a world card to come back, because obviously working on the TV, you, you're out there with a microphone in your hand before the final. It's packed auditorium the atmosphere is electric and you think wouldn't it be nice to play another match in this sort of atmosphere so there's no expectations of coming back and winning tournaments or doing this or that it's really just a fact of coming back and hoping to play some matches in 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 arenas that i used to play in unfortunately the qualifiers as it was on saturday night was in um uh leicester with no people watching in a cubicle so no atmosphere completely flat, nothing to get your juices flowing, just, you know, and that, that's the way the game is at the moment, unfortunately. You have to play these qualifiers to get through to the main events. Um, so having played, obviously, the Crucible and all these venues, the Wembley Conference Centre, full of people, to, to get the motivation, to get the, the sort of anticipated nerves going, is very difficult in that sort of situation. So um, it's not what I came back to do, was to play in these little matches, but unfortunately, where I am in the I'm right down at the bottom. Uh, I have to play them, unfortunately. But I do get to... It's like we played in, in golfs in, in Dublin last weekend when we used to play the Irish Masters uh, with Jimmy, Ronnie and Ken Doherty. And it was packed for four sessions. And that was great fun. So the exhibitions are probably more fun than the tournaments at the moment. And is the plan still to get back into these big com- competitions? Is that your, your thought for sort of 22, 23? Yeah, I mean, as I said, I didn't I played last year? I didn't practice very much at all. I'm, I'm determined um, to to try and put a bit more time in the practice table um, this uh, this season. As obviously, as, as the weather gets a bit cooler, then there'll be more, you know, more more less distraction to go in the golf course. Um, at the moment, if I get a text to play golf, that comes first before you know I should be going picking up the queue for a couple of hours. So that that's you should that's, you, should, you should move back to Scotland, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So um, the plan is to play more. Um, whether that plan comes to fruition, we'll see. Uh, has your sort of desire to compete again or keep competing? Uh, I mean, inevitably, everyone's going to also go out Ronnie O'Sullivan, but I was looking at your stats and, and you won seven world titles, been in essentially about 10 years. Mm. He's won seven world titles in 20. Mm. Have you sort of looked at him and thought, hmm, maybe I gave up too soon? Uh, I, I always, maybe not so much now, but for sort of 10 or so years, I retired in 2012 and, 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 and for the sort of sort of ten, it's ten years now. But for the first sort of half of that, I did think is have I retired too soon? Um, but then my game was in decline, and I just couldn't handle losing to people I shouldn't lose to, and just generally not playing to my standard. Um, no, I've no, I've no, uh, no, any expectation at all of coming back and, and stopping Ronnie win. So you know that's that's not in my thought process at all. Um, so yeah, they, they say the comeback is just to come back and play some matches. My my ultimate goal. If someone asked me what it was, it would be to, to qualify for the Crucible again and play another match at the Crucible. Um, so, for which I'd need to win four qualifying matches just to get there. And, and I'm not a snooker expert, but I, I, you know, I follow golf very closely. And just a couple of years ago, we had Phil Mickelson winning um, mm. the PGA in his 50s. Uh, is the longevity of snooker players stretching? Um, I think so. I mean, I mean, Ronnie, John Higgins, and Mark Williams are all 47. Um, they're still right at the top of the game. Um, 
which doesn't really say a lot for the for the rest. And that you know that, that that's the thing about snooker. There's no real. I, I watch obviously when I'm working on TV, and I don't see anyone coming up to threaten these guys. Um, so there's more tournaments now. That these guys don't practice as much as they used to because they're playing so so many tournaments. Um, Ronnie's a sort of different animal to, to everyone. He's got lots of things going on away from snooker. Snooker's not his be all and end all. So he actually goes to tournaments and he's almost under no pressure. It's like it doesn't matter to him because he's got this other stuff going on. And that's a great, makes him a very dangerous player when, when you've got someone who's not bothered whether he wins or loses and has got the talent that he has. Um, when I was, when I was towards the end of my career, snooker was a be all and end all. So when that goes, then, then, then you're, if you're not playing well and your whole life is sort of, comes in on top of you where he's not really bothered. So it's, it's, a, it's a great attitude and, and to have at, his, at the stage of his career. Well, we could all learn from that, I imagine. I mean, do, do you think, I mean, I, I hesitate to use the word decline, but when your game, you, you won everything in the 90s and then in the noughties stopped winning so much. Like, do you know what, think in a way you're just exhausted? Um, I think I put a lot of, a lot of work mentally and physically into, into getting to where I did in the 90s. Um, a lot of practice, a lot of solo practice, a lot of, you know, and, and winning all those tournaments so quickly, obviously, you maybe don't think at the time, but it's it has to take its toll, I think. And then you sort of hit of, you know, you can't keep that kind of run going forever. I mean, it's just, you know, even like Tiger Woods, you know, that's that period when he just dominated golf and then it has to come to an end at some point. Um, and as I say, snooker was a be-all and end-all for me. It's all I did. So there was nothing really to say where I, I can do other things and still keep snooker. And maybe take the pressure off a of snooker by having you know that that didn't happen for me unfortunately, um, but yeah, it's, it's 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 incredible when you look at the longevity of, of the likes of a Sullivan who's still winning. It's 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 it's, it's incredible, really. Well, in a way, it's a good thing you can play more golf. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't. I always. I mean, as somebody we're a similar age, and uh, um, in, in in a way, when I was watching Sleeker growing up, you were the bad guy. You kept on beating Jimmy. Is is it was that something you were conscious of? Oh, very much so. I mean, it's, it's Steve Davis obviously had it in the eighties with Alex Higgins, um, and to a certain extent with Jimmy. But in the nineties, obviously, I beat Jimmy in four World Finals, and um, and yeah, when when I that, those final when I got introduced, there was there was a few boos in the audience, you know. Yeah, but you've got to use that and, and sort of let it inspire you and and. and um, you know, people I get asked a lot. You know, did you feel sorry for Jimmy? Would you not rather he won one? I said absolutely not. You know, what I mean, it's it's my job to win to beat whoever's in in, in the other chair. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we get on fantastic well. We we did then as well, to be fair. But it's just unfortunate that Jimmy six times in the final and and six times uh, a loser. Uh, did you ever resent it? Did Jimmy? No. Did you ever resent it? Did you ever resent? Did you ever feel not recognised? Oh God, no, no, no! I, I mean, we talked. Jim and I talked to him. He's, 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 no, or just with the public. I meant more. Did it ever? Did it ever knock you? Hang on a second. I'm, I'm the winner. <laughs> here. It, we would, we would talk, and he would say, "I'd give up so much of my popularity to win one." Um, and I say, "Well, I wouldn't give up any of my sort of resentment from the crowd to get to, to, to not to have less." Absolutely not. I was there to win, and um, you know, it, it's weird because. Later in careers, Steve had it, then I've had it. When I walk out now, you get all the all the support in the world because you're not winning anymore. You're just um, it's just, it's a strange thing about the British sport and public how, how they view champions. Um, yeah, Steve and I were public enemy number one. 
Yeah, oh, I was wondering if, in a way, the best thing that could have happened to Roy McIlroy for his profile, in a way, is what happened at St Andrews. I think everyone will uh, love him yeah. even even more. But we Brits, we Brits love an Aussie <laughs> dog. We we'll love love someone who comes second. Let's just talk about the game in general. I mean, uh, I was brought up a generation; it was huge in the UK and getting sort of twenty million viewers. It's probably faded in terms of terrestrial TV, but I imagine uh, as a, as a as a business, snooker's never been healthier on the world stage. Yeah, yeah, it's um, since Barry Hearn took it over, um, I don't know, many years ago now, it's gone from strength to strength. Um, obviously, pre-COVID, COVID has hit, there was five, six tournaments a year in China, which are not there, obviously, in, in, anymore. So it was huge there. It was tournaments all over the world. Um, I think the, the total prize money now in the circuit is over 20 million. Um, COVID has hit it a bit where the tournaments are not, they're, they're, they're more sort of saturated in the UK now um, rather than, as I say, all, all over the world. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's still very popular on TV. Obviously, pre-Sky TV, it was, there was only four channels and, and that's where you got the huge viewing figures. Now, I think the, the world final with, with Ronnie and Judd got to something like six or seven million, which is still incredible um, for a sport that's seen by still by many as a pub sport. Um, so it, it's still very, very popular. Um, and... Th- th- the thing about it now is, it's, it's in the sort of eighties and nineties, there was a snooker club in almost every street corner. Well, you struggle to see one now, a snooker club. I rarely see one. So, I think one is, that's is that one just of, part? Is that just part of high street decline? I'm, I'm not sure what. I mean, it's, it's obviously when Sky TV came along, everything was football, football, football. And I don't think youngsters are, are even looking at taking up snooker anymore. A lot of them, you know, what football's where the money is. Um, golf all these sports have overtaken snooker in terms of um you know sort of guaranteed money as it were and obviously youtube and all that sort of stuff um so that's why you see i I see very very few sort of youngsters coming through um with with a real talent um to play most of the youngsters that come through now are are chinese um so they're, they're all based in the uk um so yeah it's it's you you worry about who's going to come through after the likes of a sullivan higgins um you know, Williams, uh, Selby's now mid to late 30s, Trump is early to mid 30s. So I don't see anyone taking over from them. The, the, the Chinese you mentioned, are they British Chinese or are they Chinese people who moved to the UK to play snooker? They've, they've moved to the UK, yeah. They're, they're, they're all yeah. You know, Chinese people, yeah. So, um, but which is, you have to admire them because, you know, that it's, if, if, if it was opposite way around and we, you know, we had to move to China and, and live there and practice snooker there, I mean, it'd be, it's such a difficult thing to do. And I don't think a lot of people, Certainly, in the game, appreciate what they've sacrificed to, to do this. And, and tell us about your, your involvement in the game beyond commentary. You've got a venture called Q Tips. Uh, what's that all about? Yeah, um, well, my, I've got the same agent as um, Nick Doherty. Um, Gary Smith looks after Nick, and, and, and when he took me on, he, he was explaining me to about Nick Doherty did his tea time tips. Um, you know, people write in and ask for golf, obviously tips on how to play golf shots. So we thought, shall we do the same thing with snooker? Um, we come up with Q-tips wasn't a great <laughs> from, from Tea Time Tips and um, yeah it's gone from strength to strength um, on, on Instagram I would I would send out for requests on shots and people would send in their shots and once we've not done it for a while actually um, we, we, we'll be soon doing it again and, and we're looking at possibility of a YouTube channel as well but it's, it's great the amount of interest that people I would say can you just show us a screw back shot you can you show us a shot how to play side and you know, there's not really anything out there that, that actually shows. And obviously, someone that's been pretty good at the game, given that, given given them advice and shown shots. So it's been pretty popular, and we've managed to sell 
a few sweatshirts and hoodies out of it as well, which is which is quite good. But yeah, the, the next step uh, from Instagram is obviously a YouTube channel, which we're, we're working on at the minute. And uh, hopefully in the next year or so, that'll be up and running. And, and, and nobody's asked for golf tips yet? Oh, God, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a matter of time, Stephen. <laughs> matter of time, you and Nick should swap over. Okay, and then final question. Tell us about the courses you love. Which courses have you played and uh, just thought, mm, that's special? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm fortunate enough to uh, to, to play at Sunningdale, which is obviously one of the, one of the best places in the world to play golf. Um, when I was a member in Scotland, I was a member of Glen Eagles, which was fantastic. Um, Loch Lomond, which was is still one of my favourite places to go and play golf. It's just absolutely stunning. Um, How about the midges? Well, yeah, I mean, it, 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 the time that I used to go, I used to go about 10, 11 in the morning, which weren't too bad. You didn't want to be there around four or five at night um, yeah. or morning. <laughs> Um, especially at the end of the summer, um, but yeah, what, what, a, what a great place to go and go and go and play um, play golf! Unbelievable. And a favourite links? Uh, hmm, links. I'm not a mad links golfer. I tell you where, where I was about two months ago. I was in Tralee in Ireland, right. which was absolutely spectacular. I never I never played there before, and that was just um, unbelievable. We actually got the same trip. We got to play a Dare Manor as well, which for a different reason was just spectacular. Um, so. Yeah, Tralee's probably up there and one of the best links I've played. Stephen, been a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much for talking to the VPAR podcast. You're very, very welcome. That's all from us. You can find more episodes on our podcast feed. But for now, thanks for listening to the VPAR podcast, brought to you by the slickest golf app in the game.